You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. finish world of final fantasy <laughs> the real ending <laughs> i was pl- I still need to get back to that i'm i, I dude I you just fell really, out of it when i got a new ds game and i haven't gotten back to it you really need to uh because it is so worth it if you enjoy it and i'm saying like if you somebody else because i know you enjoyed it but if you enjoyed the story, the questing, the stuff like that. You have to keep going through. And I um, I hadn't played for a little while because I'd gotten to the point where it was, again, grinding at this point now. Although I figured out a couple of things on how to grind pretty rapidly, actually. One spot in particular, phenomenal spot for experience. Anyways, I still had a, a fairly decent team. And so what I started doing is I cleared off as much of the Colosseum as I could. Not that that matters, I don't believe, at this stage, other than just getting some of those uh, mirages to, to, to tame. And then I started working on the tea room, and that's what you have to do after the f- the second false ending. No, mm-hmm. after the second real real ending, the middle ending. <laughs> right, because I, 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 I got the trophy for completing the tea room. Yeah, they, they, the, the, they don't want this game to fucking end. <laughs> <laughs> really, seriously, even after the end end, there's more shit that they toss in the game for you. Well, it's like the developers, you know, they was like, okay, all right, we're, we're done with the game. Like, um, we don't need to ship it for another six months. Oh, all right. <laughs> Damn, what are we going to do now? So anyway, so I finished off the tea room as well. And once you're done the tea room, like everything in the tea room, and you finished off the, the second false ending, then... You go and talk to one of the Mirages, the one that handles your case, and she sends you off on a fairly long kind of um, ending where you're dealing with his parents and stuff and more. Don't want to spoil too much kind of thing. Uh, But you go through multiple fights throughout it all, and you can't skip it all. And if you die, that's it. You're done. You have to go back to your last save. So the incentive is don't fucking die. <laughs> you bring a lot of potions <laughs> with you. Make sure you figure it out the fights as well so you're not caught, you know, with your pants down. And also have strong enough a, a good composition for your team. There's certain things you really want to look out for. So anyway, so I was doing it. And you get through, again, several of the fights. Uh, I at one point I died and that's when I realized that you can't skip through everything fast forward either and there's like really long cinematics that you can't skip through and it's like fuck it was epic the first time not the fifth and sixth (laughs) because what happens is that when you get to the actual last fight and again there's a number of them here now that you're going through when you get to the very last boss fight he likes to toss berserk on you which if you'll recall, makes mm-hmm. it so that you have to do a physical attack and not a magical. So you also can't heal. You can't heal or ref- put reflect on anybody. You can't do anything except hit, get hit. Your whole life goes down. And I fucking hate when you 
lose control of your character. And this goes on and on and on and on. And so I went up against this boss a number of times and then you die. And then again, it takes a while to go through all the bullshit again. And so I was getting really frustrated, but then of course turn to the internet, do a little research. And it's like, what am I missing here? And I read a couple of different things you could try, but one of them made perfect sense. And when I tested it as well, worked beautifully. Again, don't want to spoil it. Although if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, hit me up on Twitter. I'll explain what to do. Because trust me, you do not want to be bashing your head against that wall for a long time. It's just, it takes the fun out of it. So once you, you polish off that boss and you have really, really well done cinematics at the end because it's it's there's quite a bit in typical final fantasy fashion there's quite a bit and it's not like your typical final fantasy it's this world of final fantasy which is it's got its own style and so you're getting a lot of different kind of stuff in it and it it was really touching it was really well done i enjoyed it a lot and Mm. so then when you get to the end, which again, FYI, you have to do the, that's the good ending. So again, hit me up on Twitter if you want. I saved the link <laughs> to explain what you have to do to make sure you get that good ending. Because there's ways where not just dying, but there's other ways as well where you won't get the good ending where you can continue thereafter. So willing to do that, obviously. But anyways, the um, when you get to the very end, it's worth it. Just for the chibi dance scenes with the credits at the end, <laughs> the characters—you were so excited. That about was that too. so goddamn awesome. Like I was sitting down, laughing, grown ass man, <laughs> watching these little chibi things dancing around. But it's all like choreographed, and they're all synchronized, <laughs> and it was. And it keeps going. Even after the credits are done, there's more. So it was like, I love you guys. So again, and even once you get to the end, if you had the good ending, spoiler, you can keep playing as the two characters. And then from there, they added in three new dungeons. And I believe there's some more even that they toss in after that. Like they really, they don't want you to stop playing their game. And at this point, I've no reason to. <laughs> so <laughs> if you are playing this game, I cannot stress it enough. Like you and you enjoy it. If you're not, if you really don't give a rat's ass about the questing or how the, the, they talk and different things like that. Well, maybe it's not for you. But if you do like it and you're having fun, follow through, get through to the end. It is so worth it. So let's move on. Last week, we talked about the announcements, the rumors and everything for the new hero in overwatch and literally as i'm editing (laughs) the reveal came but we put out the episode anyways with our our hopes and and what we thought it would be but of course we got some right but not all of it joe go ahead well one of the first things uh that i thought was kind of cool is she is the quadrupedic hero that uh and it fits sort of that frame that we saw in the sombra thing So I'm kind of cool with that. But it's Orisa, and Orisa is an OR-15 that has been rebuilt, given basically a brain and a heart, and kind of sent off into the world to learn to be a hero, which is kind of cool because the, um, and why is her name escaping me now, the inventor child? Elfie. Elfie? Elfie. Whatever. 
yeah. Um, because Effie. she saw That's what it is, yeah. Effie, yeah. Because she Effie saw because she saw the destruction that happened in her hometown at the hands of Doomfist. And that's kind of important because it was not necessarily talent. It wasn't a thief. It wasn't an unknown. She specifically says the destruction that was wrought at the, at the hands of Doomfist. Uh, she decided that she needed to do something and do something to help. And so she created uh, Arisa. And she is really cool looking. She's going to be another tank. And she's got some pretty nifty abilities. She's got Halt where she launches a Graviton Charge, uh, which she can detonate as she launches, that slows nearby enemies and pulls them towards the explosion, just like Zarya's alt, but on a smaller scale, which makes sense because she has the the Graviton and barrier thing, the Graviton Particle Accelerator, essentially. She's got a protective barrier where she throws a stationary barrier that can protect her and her allies, which is kind of this interesting combination of uh, Reinhardt and the shield from... Symmetra that she can project out. It's basically an energy shield. She's her alt is called Supercharger, which is sort of like the Nano Boost, um, except it's a device that she places down in the middle, and any nearby characters that are by her, or within line of sight, within the certain range of effect, get a boost. The most talked about ability, however, is Fortify, where Arisa temporarily reduces the damage she takes and cannot be affected by action impairing effects. This is all of them. This is kind of huge. If Reinhardt charges her, Reinhardt falls down. I saw an amazing video the other day of uh, Reinhardt and Arisa fighting like uh, on a balcony. I forget what map it was. Reinhardt charges her and she puts that arm up and he just bounces right off. Right off. That was and then she shoots the Graviton behind him and sucks him off the ledge. (laughs) Yep. Um, That was actually pretty cool. The other cool thing, and, and this is something that people haven't talked about. When Reinhardt attacks people with just his regular attack, there's momentum behind it. It will actually move the character. It moves your character when you get hit left or right. If she's in Fortify, it doesn't happen. She does not move at all. Fortify makes her immune to McCree's flashbang. Fortify makes her uh, immune to Anna's sleep, which is kind of a huge thing. It makes her immune to Maze Frost, both her ultimate uh, as long as she casts it before she starts taking damage from the alt, as well as her regular attack. Basically, anything, anything that would impair her movement, she can use Fortify to get out of. That's kind of a huge deal. It makes her a breaching tank. It makes her something that people can charge. She can charge in and, and your team can follow behind her. And it is super cool. Well, that's going to be especially useful for anybody guarding a point as well. So you're not bounced out of the zone kind of thing. And I know I said this when Anna came along saying, like, it's going to be pretty much required for some group compositions. And it wasn't quite as much that with Anna. But with this, I'm seeing a lot of damn near mandatory settings where you would really want that there. Not just for what she does, obviously, for herself as a player, but for everyone else on the team. Well, I think it's a reaction to to a lot of the, the redistribution of choke points, like they just redid Eichenwall and they did it so that there's a few more breaching points, but it's a little more, I don't want to say choked. You have more avenues to attack out of as well now, because instead of the grate coming down, there's just rubble. So you can still go over the rubble that go into the castle. And it's a huge change. Like it's something that I was playing with last night and noticed 
it makes a huge difference in how you play. But having her be able to kind of get past that choke point to push in makes a big difference because I've seen so many teams stall out just there. Volskaya is another one where going in while there's several different uh, places that you can get in with as an attacking team. There's a lot of choke points and there's a lot of places you can hold if you're a defender that you can't get through with a traditional tank. And if you can charge in with Reinhardt, he can get through for about 10 seconds till he dies. She can actually breach through and soak enough damage while the team comes behind her. It's a necessary thing. And I thought that it was going to be like super overpowered and, and all this and that it's actually not that bad. Like on the PTR, it doesn't feel terrible. It feels Okay, because if your timing's off, you don't get the fortify bonus. It kind of balances off on player skill just a little bit. Hmm. Cool. I haven't gone on the PTR yet. Tristan did, but I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, I, I would take some time and try it. It's definitely worth it. And then, of course, there was the skin reveal, which is everybody's always favorite time with any new hero in any game that has skins. And uh, I know that everybody was going really, really crazy over the carbon fiber skin, which is a a black and green energy-esque sort of skin, which does look really, really cool. But a bunch of her other ones are, are she's, I want to say like tankish colors, but she's got this one skin that I absolutely love. And it's uh, the dynasty, dia, eh, wow, dynastine, and it's looks like a samurai beetle skin in blue and red. Yeah, and it looks cool as hell. It's even got the little uh, Kabuto uh, horned beetle thing on our forehead. It looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really want that. I want that so badly. She's just overall like I'm just really happy with this this hero. I think she fits in well. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how she interacts with other. Uh, robotic heroes because she's a robot not an omnic and that's kind of a another big thing she's not she's not something that has consciousness yet but she's going to be gaining it so while we have bastion has consciousness now um, but can't talk and, and while we have zenyatta who is enlightened she's sort of at this birth cycle right she's this this omnic being born finding herself learning what it is and she can talk so she's going to emote she's going to have interactions intelligible interactions so i think that's kind of cool and it's it's an interesting way to expand the universe too i only ask for one thing that she gets an emote of baymax's fist bump because she is absolutely overwatching okay, baymax dude yeah i said that to yes. roger i said that to roger like as soon as i saw the video like this is they borrowed very heavily from baymax with the whole waking up and you know being programmed to to help and serve i love it that'd be cool as hell i've been still playing that crap out of freaking overwatch lately been having a lot of fun and it was all worth it because i'm playing was it i think it was the day before yesterday <laughs> and there was a fucking may giving me a hard time <laughs> and i was on my junk rat and it was oh damn it what's the name of the map oh the one where you start off and you can either go high or low. It was the lab, I think, that the gorilla was at. And you got to do the escort. Watch Point Gibraltar. Yes. Thank you very much. So I went around the back way and I was lobbing grenades in at fucking May, who was in there, who had already killed me once. And then at one point, I got her with a grenade just as she was at the door. And she was trying to be a fucking fancy May come out turning, shooting at me and hitting me because I'd lobbed her in the air. 
but obviously noticed that her health went down drastically from the bomb. So she did her little encased in ice thing, at which point I tossed my, the, 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 not the grenade, the other thing, the, the sticky grenade, the, the mine. I threw the mine at her and blew her off and she flew off while still encased in ice over the <laughs> ledge into the water on the other side. And it was like that made up. And, and I had to wait, though, for the death signal to come because she was encased in ice. But it was like that has made up for every May bullshit kill that's been on me because <laughs> it was all in the air and it was glorious. It was <laughs> oh my god it was wonderful is it isn't that so satisfying when you do that too yeah when you get those crazy kills and it's like oh my god that was this is why we play this game all right let's turn to another blizzard ip and that is hearthstone so we got news of the next expansion that's going to be coming out this one is called journey to ungoro referring of course to Angora Crater for people who play World of Warcraft. It's a zone that is basically, think, a portal to a, a time where the dinosaurs ruled the land kind of thing. So it's just this zone that has insanely lush greenery, plant life that wants to kill you. Everything wants to kill you. There's kind of devil sores all over the place. Or no, they're not there. Are they? Yeah, they, yeah, the, the raptors. That's where the giant ones are as well. And there's the there's elementals all over the place, mostly fire elementals. And there's a volcano right in the middle. And so what they're doing here is they're they're kind of really theming the entirety of the expansion with the zone as well as all of the creatures that are there there's going to be a ton being done for elementals to the point of including elemental now as a creature type which is cool so they're going to be reworking some of the existing cards there's going to be a whole bunch of different plant cards as well different raptors dinosaurs as well there's different elementals that are kind of look like a blend between certain types of dinosaurs and elementals is very cool plus they're adding another um, keyword in the game and this one is adapt where when it when it comes out you can choose from three possibilities to essentially upgrade the card as well like there's a lot coming here that's cool like even there's some of the the cards are also going to have effects like they showed for a legendary card where when it dies, you just put it back in your hand and now it went from a 2-2 two, two to a 6-6 six, six, and then when it dies, it comes back to your hand once again as a 10-10. That is freaking useful as hell. So like there's a lot of really cool stuff here. This is going to be launching their, 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 their naming the years because again in because they are for different types of competition stuff, they have to restrict which sets you use. So this is the year of the mammoth, they're calling it, which actually has me curious what they have planned then for the other two expansions. But anyways, this is pretty cool, actually. This has me a lot more interested than the gadgets and stuff did. That really kind of fell short for me. I don't know about everybody else. Uh, but this is actually pretty pretty cool, and I like the new keywords and the other stuff with the creatures changing and coming back kind of thing. That's, that's again very cool. I like it. I like the mechanics of this a lot better than Gadget Sand. Gadget Sand was cool, and the concept was interesting, and I liked the 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 story infusement that they tried to do with it. 
but it wasn't quite where it needed to be to be fully entertaining for me. But this, this, the mechanics, however, like you, the the cards you just mentioned, where it basically rebirths and evolves, that's a cool mechanic to me. Oh yeah, that's that's a borderline Magic the Gathering mechanic, and I'm okay with that. Like that type of stuff. That's the stuff I like in card games. And to be perfectly honest, I haven't really picked up Hearthstone since Gadget's Hand first came out. So. I've just been kind of bored with it. This actually has me interested enough that I'm probably going to, once it's out, I'm probably going to play a little more, a little more frequently. I agree. I actually, this was enough for me to think, okay, I might even toss them a few bucks, not a ton, but a few bucks to buy a few packs even. And I, I like these mechanics and it's the thing to keep in mind with these expansions is that you have to know your audience and there's a time and place for something that's a lot more complex and a time and a place for just, you know, put out something that will have some differences and will shake things up, but not too different. Like when they're doing the expansion for uh, Karazhan kind of thing, there's a lot more going on there. So it makes sense to have a lot of nuances and a lot of different things in terms of maybe some new card types or whatever kind of thing. But when you're looking at gadget sand, it was, that didn't feel like an expansion so much as just a new set, but then with a lot of things thrown in and it just at points felt like it was, it was too much between the three factions. So it was like, what the, I, 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 I don't well, want it also, this. It felt disjointed really. Yes. I think that's, that's what it was. Cause it was, trying to cram too much into it now had they done gadget sand as a more i don't want to say episodic thing but like you know one faction is a mini a mini release then they wait like that's four actually months a good idea that's not a bad another, idea at all yeah yeah and then another four months go and then you have another one and so on and so forth so that you get all of your factions in but you have a slow build so you can actually develop those factions those mechanics those cards and i hate to say it because i know this is going to be a dirty word and i'm going to get a lot of a lot of shit from people who hate this model Magic does it right, and there's a reason that they have the three sets per block per year. It's so that they can introduce new mechanics at regular intervals to keep everything fresh. So three times a year, there's a new set plus a core set, or four times a year. I guess you really want to break it down like that. But those are good pacings. Hearthstone could do something very similar for more ambitious projects and be fine, and I would be okay if they did that. They give you enough ways to get cards, whether it's through gold quests or if you want to throw money at it, that it really wouldn't hurt the player base so much. Plus, with all the stuff that we've accumulated over the years with all the uh, yeah years at this point, oh, my God, yeah. um, since our so came out, I have so much dust now that I just make what I need. And I'm sure a lot of players are in that same boat and I barely play compared to some other folks. You can just craft new cards. Perfectly acceptable as far as I'm concerned. See, the thing that I would like to see is going along the lines of what you're saying in terms of uh, breaking it apart kind of thing. Now, Gadgetsand, because it is a fairly light kind of expansion, it's not very epic in, in scope, which is fine. I'm not saying it should be, but what they can do as well is do what you're saying where you're taking a fairly large expansion, make it something that is actually really epic in scope think of it as your lord of the rings trilogy kind of thing and build it with each expansion till it gets to the end and it is insanely epic and what you've done is you've carried your player base across not just one expansion but now three of them and each one 
like a, a wing of a raid kind of thing could still be self-sustaining and yet still have characters that continue on to the next one and the overarching story continues. That's what I want to see from this game. And it's got enough people playing it. It's got enough history now. It's got enough experience in terms of introducing new play styles, new uh, game modes, and all kinds of things like that, that they could theoretically, not theoretically, they could do it if they really wanted to. And I think they need to stop with the cutesy expansions and give us an epic one. Just because it's a Mm. card game doesn't mean that they it, you can't have something that still carries some weight and have have some fun with that. Sure, but I mean both. There's room for both to exist, right? And well, I'm just talking about a, again this here being like say again three expansions. That's not even a full year, anyways. Well, what I'm saying though is is you need room for the fluffy and the fun as much as you need uh, the epic and the hardcore, and that's one of those things where they've. I think they're still struggling to find their balance a little bit on that front because you want stuff that matters and makes your players engaged, but you also don't want to alienate players. And if you have younger players, they may not necessarily care about the epic, so to speak. And we're sort of a, I don't want to say an oddity, but the three of us, when it comes to card games, care a little bit more about not just the mechanics and how well it plays. We care about the story surrounding it and how much it means We've always been like that with every game we play. Hell, that's why we do this freaking podcast to begin with. Not everybody's like that. And the vast majority of card players aren't. And they're trying to find that sweet spot where they can still do exposition, still do fun things, and still have draw on those players that don't necessarily give a damn about that. And I know that's a hard balance. So I think they can do it. I think that they've got enough time under their belt that they should be able to do it. And I'd love to see them do it where even if it's a... Maybe not necessarily a three expansion thing. Maybe it's a, you know, two expansions over the course of eight months or something like that, uh, where there's like an epic storyline that plays out. That would be cool. And then you can have your light fluffy one as well, where it's like, you know, the goblins figure out how to make like machine bunnies or something. I don't know. But they could totally do stuff like that and find something for everybody. And and I I would love to see that because I do like the light and fluffy as much as I like the epic. But, and you're right in terms that they can do both as well. I don't want to go. We've been on this for a while now. I don't want to go too much longer, but it, they can do both. And the more I'm playing through Hex's storylines, the more I'm appreciating the variety of questing that's in there as well. And while Hearthstone doesn't have the same kind of layout or manner in which it can dole out quests we've seen from the expansions that it has put out like Karazhan like some of the other raids and whatnot that it still can be creative in terms of how it's presenting the different quote-unquote levels for you and different things like that encounters whatever you want to call them so in terms of an overarching story that would take you across let's just say the three expansions you can have like side quests and literally just break up your page, which is all, just like, wow. Yeah. All that is, is page design. And they, they've shown whether it was again, Kara or what's the last one that he did. The, uh, Max, um, that they can place it however they want kind of thing. Well, just put side quests and put main storyline and have your goofy fun, side quests that you can do anytime and even make them repeatable. Like there's just so many goddamn things they could do. Seriously, Blizzard, 
give us a call. Hire us. We will design this shit for you gladly. <laughs> I will work for in-game credits. I'm just saying. But yeah, like there's there's a lot of stuff they can do. And the more we're seeing now from a variety of different developers who do uh, card games, most notably for me is Hex, the more I'm appreciating just how far you can push the genre, really have fun with it. And Hearthstone's only limitations are in terms of what they're willing to allow because the the coding's there. They can do it. So, okay, let's move on from there. Very briefly, we got a few trailers dropped and some news that was interesting, and then we're going to move on from there. The one that you found from uh, the GDC on showing the new Borderlands 3 and whatnot, I thought was fairly interesting as a, a tech preview of what we can expect from Borderlands 3. It was interesting, too, to see how they they specifically set everything up because Borderlands is a very unique art style, and it's not just cel-shaded. It's a very special type of cel-shaded because they make it like a comic book in so much that the bold lines don't shift where everything around them does shift. So you'll see metal done in a cel-shaded sort of setup, but it reacts like metal. The light shifts on it, and it reflects things. But the black border doesn't. It's really cool sort of to get in sort of their heads on that. Um, What I also thought was interesting was that while this was going on, Reddit blew up because there was a Borderlands 3 Easter egg found inside of a DLC for Battleborn of all places. The new DLC for Battleborn apparently had portal spawning. I don't know this because I don't play Battleborn. So one of the three people plays it, find it, found the Easter egg. Dude, I bought it when it was on sale for like next to nothing and I still haven't I installed it, which isn't you I'm not slamming the game when I did play it. It's a good game. It's a very good game. The only it's thing that the bothered game me at the wrong time. It's too many lights. Yeah. Too much going on on the, the screen. I found. Well, Blizzard buried it. Let's just let's just be honest. Well, they, that's they the thing, too. But what was cool about it here was that there was those portals were apparently playing audio and the players uh, broke it down and it's visit Promethea children of the vault we are not on Pandora anymore Tannis is not what she seems do not open the vaults what's interesting here is a couple different things and I'll go through this real quick I don't think it's Prom- Promethea I think it's Promethea which is referred to in Borderlands it's a very harsh planet uh, where the Atlas Corporation w- basically discovered and used alien technologies to make their ships and weapons. Um, and what did we just have from Telltale? A really awesome stuff that revolved around uh, not just Borderlands, but Atlas. Give me more Atlas, please. Uh, Tannis is also the name of a character, uh, Patricia Tannis, from the first game, who does also appear, I think it was Borderlands 2. She's one of the Crimson Raiders. She is the best character ever. She she is. <laughs> she's also an expert on the Iridians, that magical, wonderful race that uh, basically Atlas used their technology for. So I think we might be going to a new planet, and I think we might be finally getting some more information on an alien race that may know more about Tannis, who may or may not be human. So I think it's I think this is kind of cool. It's, it's an interesting Easter egg and it makes me really excited for Borderlands 3. Yeah. We're not going to touch too long on Persona 5, but there was a new trailer that literally just dropped today. Why is there and, a giant fly guy? 
How is that supposed to make sense? The answer is because persona. Persona. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm sure in in context it will be a little more sensible. You really think so? Are you saying that with a straight face to me right now? We'll never know. I will say this, though. There are elements of it when you're looking at that trailer where it's like, man, you are you're damn near selling me it. it certain elements. It was a, like it was fun. a hell of a trailer. It was yeah. very stylish, very dynamic. I, I really liked that. That was the first bit of anything of that game I've seen in months because I've been into deep cover at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here, here, here's the problem, though. It comes out two weeks after Mass Effect. Uh, yeah, there's no way in hell you'll be done Mass Effect. God, but just I'm think it'll be on sale by the time you get ready to play it. Well, no, no, I have to, I have to get the steel book. <laughs> God, God, we're we're all fucked, aren't we? <laughs> So I hope you don't want me talking about literally anything else on the podcast for the next few months. <laughs> well, let's talk about Mass Effect because we got several different videos yet again coming out. Again, nothing really spoiling, just reinforcing a lot of very good things about this game. Well, I loved the little uh, interview this week with uh, Kumail Nanjiani yes. talking about his character, the uh, Salarian politician who I am going to kill the shit out of. <laughs> wow. Like, I feel like you could insert any NPC. No, no, this one specifically how, shit out of. how he's talking about he's a slimy politician who wants to seem more important than he actually is. Oh, oh, I'm going to hate Not this, this year, guy. buddy. <laughs> I mean, come on. I There isn't much of a government left in the, the our original galaxy, so why do we need them here? <laughs> There was some cool stuff with the exploration video, I thought, as well. Like, when they're talking about the world exploration for this, holy crap. Especially, I don't know if you read the other article that I linked earlier today as mm-hmm. well, too, where they're talking about just how much you can expect from those world navigations. And it's like, holy shit, I was not expecting that much. I, I like how it's it's a lot of what we saw in Dragon Age Inquisition, just refined and blown up to a larger scale and like it takes a what was it the the little war board thing that they had i forget exactly what it was called where you could like assign your your specialists and this and that and they're actually melding it into the game world here too with you know uh, once the planet becomes viable and it has a colony on it like after you've done enough side quests to make it habitable and it formed a foothold for yourself on the surface then you can wake up some of the people that are frozen back on the main ship and put them into action and you choose you want merchants do you want scientists do you want soldiers and that's gonna play out in a lot of ways that i'm really excited for i thought that was brilliant using your points to fall whoever you need in a moment, I was like, Jesus, that's a damn good idea. And I like what they were saying, too, in terms of because you are so flexible as rider, it leaves a lot of mm-hmm. wiggle room for which companion you want to take now. So you're taking them because you like them and you want to hear more from that them. That makes me happy right there. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. Because every Mass Effect playthrough, like, I don't know about you guys, but at least on each playthrough, it's I'm stuck with two people because those are the two I need for my character. Exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, and like, and, and I hate being locked. And we talked about that before. When you make that initial choice, and you're locked into not just your character in the other games, but essentially who you're going to be bringing with you if you want to be successful here, like that fluidity and, and that basically allowing you just to do what you want. That's all I've ever wanted from a friggin' Bioware game. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> I love how people are hung up on like, oh, yes, the galaxy has hundreds of worlds, but you can only explore like a handful of them. Like, well, first of all, how many, you know, worlds are there that are going to be able to support habitable life yeah, in exactly. any galaxy? <laughs> it only makes sense. And on the other hand, it's still several planets <laughs> that you get to explore. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of content in here that'll keep you busy. Once again, this is extra stuff. This has nothing to do with the yeah. main storyline. This is those extra dungeons that World of Final Fantasy is throwing at me, telling me, play me. <laughs> this is just now different worlds that you can go and play with. I, again, I read a few people bitching, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you that you cannot be happy about anything? And consider the source when I say that. <laughs> so, like, Jesus, be happy. And a handful being as large as what the this claims they are. And the potential of, you know, maybe they'll put out some DLC that will be more planets. Maybe, I'm saying. I don't know. But it'd be a damn good idea. You know, give It'd be a great way to add content. Yeah, exactly. You've already got the system in place, tossing some quests, tossing some stuff. Boom. Paid DLC. That would keep me in the game. I already know that I'm going to want to continue keep playing it because I I, I hope their PVP stuff will be as good as what we saw in the prior games. And I fucking love their PVP stuff. Oh, yeah. So I would love for there to be a reason for me to continually go back into that, that galaxy and, and you know, DLC planets, pff, that'll keep me going. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, I just, Oh, I, I really liked how they talked about how uh, dynamic, even like your interactions with the characters can be like, simple stuff of Paragon renegade is gone. Now it's more like, how do you want to respond to the situation? You want to be professional. Do you want to be casual? So it's not, always going to be you know the good guy bad guy stuff like there's going to be a lot of gray areas in between which was great but also just like the the dialogue with your crew how they said i I forget the exact scenario but i think they said cora had mentioned something to Ryder in a conversation and then like an hour later he's out on a mission and one of the other npcs had was asking about this he's like oh yeah cora blah 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 so if you didn't have like these particular interactions that never would have happened and that just shows the incredible attention to detail of like adding in all this dialogue that there's a good chance people won't even see on yeah. two, three, four playthroughs. And that's that, that worries me a little bit because with prior games, I wasn't as worried because I knew I would be playing at least one more time. Maybe not the entirety mm-hmm. of the game, but a big enough chunk so that I can see those different stories. But because now I'm only going to need to play uh, one character to unlock all the classes, I'm less likely to play as the other rider just for story elements. So I don't know. We'll see. Mm, I don't know. Uh, about that. I'm definitely, like, well, let me rephrase that. I definitely want to do multiple playthroughs to see yeah. the other side, but when I still, when I, exactly <laughs> when I still haven't done a second playthrough of dragon age inquisition. Like that game was expansive enough first that, of that, one that I can't find the time to, to see the other side of things. 
So it's it's, I, I, it's, it's not Bioware's fault. Yeah, yeah, it's a quality problem to have. Let's let's not split hairs about it. We make out one way or another. We're going to get a great game with a great experience, and maybe we might be able to get it twice. Maybe we may be able to get it a few times. Because I know me, I replayed through the old games and tended to pick the same damn character class, uh, just so I could have different interactions with different different NPCs. That's my motivation to go back and do it. So I don't see a problem at all here. All right, let's move on from there now because something big happened this week, of course, and that was that the switch dropped. So actually, last week I should say the um, the console dropped. And reviewers had gotten it a little bit earlier as well, so the kind of information was trickling in. And then, of course, we got the the mountains of <laughs> reviews and comments and everything thereafter. And taste testings, because... <laughs> I love how every grown-ass <laughs> adult I know who got a Switch, the very first thing they did was lick a cartridge. Why? I don't understand <laughs> this. Why? Yeah. Why are either. people licking these things? It it it's <laughs> I You don't know. I don't know. Okay. I, I I for a second I was gonna try and justify it of like, well, if they tell you something tastes terrible, you're gonna wanna see no, just how terrible. No. no, no, I'll take somebody's <laughs> word for it, I think. When when it's as bad as they say, but see that, that that's that's not the point. My point is who was the first? <laughs> like, how did this become a viral Probably thing? Probably somebody from Reddit or 4chan or something. There's just, I don't understand how this went viral. This tasting shit just because. Like, I don't know if Nintendo announced that they were flavored before people started tasting them or if it, like, I don't know where the chicken and the egg is in this scenario. <laughs> Anyways, tell us about I mean, this. Let's be switch. honest, though. It's. It's a good idea that you have these tiny little cartridges, you know, kids are going to end up swallowing them. So try and protect that. Like, Credit to Nintendo. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. I, I really don't. And I, I, I mean, some of the pictures, though, from them are hilarious. Like, that's the one thing I do like is I like the reaction shots of people licking them and just going, oh, God, ah, ah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, that's it. Yeah. But right. I mean, the more important thing, at least to me, wasn't so necessarily the Nintendo Switch. It was what came with it. And I'm not talking about the eight-year-old games or the 30-year-old games or the 15-year-old games that were re-released for it. No. More importantly, the Zelda. one game. The only game. The only <laughs> new game. Hold on. We're going to get to Zelda in a minute. <laughs> we're still talking about the fucking hardware right now. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for Vince to take over there. It, well... <laughs> I mean, we we talked about our concerns for, you know, quality control and, you know, the actual build quality of the unit itself, given what we know about the manufacturers and the production process and this and that. And not great. <laughs> I, there, I, there are many, many reports of the, the units already not being, like, unusably damaged, but, you know, physically and, and at least... Uh, on the surface level, getting scratched to hell from the from just docking the thing over and over again. So the one thing that makes the switch the switch is <laughs> causing huge problems for people. And then, you know, just the small little problem of the controllers are fucking garbage. 
even that's, if you can get the controllers, controllers to work and stay synced to the console, they are tiny. Like we we knew, we knew they were going to be small from what we saw, but like seeing this in an actual human adult's hand is like I I can't like no like and you can't buy a pro controller though because they they actually they shipped less peripherals than they did systems which is like the weirdest fucking Nintendo thing well they switch, <laughs> they didn't even ship that many systems that's horrible what the hell I, I but I I've know from like actual reports that stores that received you know eight to ten units got like two to four of each peripheral so <laughs> I, I I think they did a better job with the Switch hardware-wise than people were expecting. Like, yeah, it's sold out everywhere, but from what I've noticed, like, it's, you know, if you pre-ordered on Amazon or GameStop, like, yeah, there's, like, waiting lists, but a lot of people have just been able to walk into, like, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and pick them up. So, like, it shows yeah, but that... only if they live in the middle of nowhere, though. Like, those are the people that I've been seeing reporting they can find them in, in physically in them. It's been getting resupplied pretty, pretty regularly. Like, I... I, okay, still, look, I don't still not great, but it's better than we were expecting. I'll say. Okay, I don't live in a small city. I live in the second largest city in New York State. Like New York City is the only thing bigger than us, and we haven't gotten any more new ones in since it was released. Hmm. So, like, it's it is really spotty and varied at yeah. best. So, like, Nintendo, fucking stop with the 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 manufactured scarcity thing okay okay cool cool thanks listen compared to the nes mini this is <laughs> but yeah like it's it's definitely not endearing me to wanting to buy one anytime soon of like any console is going to have its issues uh, once it reaches mass release of like small little bugs and stuff but like so this is actual like build quality and QA issues with the hardware itself that I can't see being easily fixed anytime soon. Well, well not to mention all the red screens and orange screens people are getting into. Blue screens, yeah. Like it, it, for for those of you that don't know, that is the equivalent of a, a PC blue screen. Like systems are bricking, and I mean, I know somebody who bought a Switch and was so happy to get it, gave it to his little brother for his little brother's birthday on Saturday. They plug it in, and it fucking bricked like it was bricked immediately like they didn't even get like 10 seconds of it and that's how do you do that how do you ship things in this day and age with that see the problem well, is, i know like the ps4 had its yellow light issue and various xbox like i don't know like as far as like how widespread it is if it's like statistically anomalous compared to other hardware launches but i well, the I don't problem, know. yeah, but see, the problem is, is that like when you're you're talking about uh, whether it's the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever, it, I mean, especially the 360, yeah, they they had their issues, but their issues tended to be like one kind of thing that if something's going to go wrong, it's probably going to be this kind of thing. Yeah, Whereas, the Switch has a number of because <laughs> the Switch is all about the gimmick and all of these things when. A number of those gimmicky things are causing issues. Well, <laughs> what's the point of buying the goddamn console? Oh. Like we, we got PlayStation and, and, and Xbox pushing for 4K on their their consoles now, and this shit can't do fucking 1080p and drop significantly lower when you. I'm talking in game, of course, for the few games that we've seen. 
and drop significantly lower to conserve battery life when you've got it Although from what I'm hearing, while it's lower, it's yes. more stable. Yeah, that, 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 I was just going to bring that point <laughs> Even up. then, not that stable. Frame rates are no, not that good at all on this the, thing. They're better when it's undocked than it's when it's docked. Yes, when because they docked. drop everything. But I understand that. But I'm saying like it's it's interesting like how you try to dock it, which is supposed to be one of its main selling points. And also, if you notice, and I thought this was really kind of interesting, Nintendo has stopped really pushing the home console portion of it and is really focusing on the mobility portion of it because I don't think they want people to realize that when it's docked, it can't run a fucking 30 year old game without dipping frame rate. Like Bomberman, Bomberman has problems now. That's horrible. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very happy for people who bought them and who are mm-hmm. happy and who are, I, I know issues. a lot of people who are like legitimately enjoying it. So like they love it. Hey, more and power to just you. Zelda. Like they enjoy the switch itself. Yeah. And more power Zelda to you. helps. I, but, uh, having been burned by the Wii U, it's like, again, I've been reading more and more of the reports of like, again, where are the third party games? And it's like, gee, I haven't they seen that coming. for a while. Uh, Although, like, all this, like, the one thing I read that, like, really bothers me uh, and scaring me away from the Switch is you can't get your fucking save data off of it. Yeah. Yep. Once you save a game to your Switch, it's there forever. You can't export it to SD, USB, the cloud, anything. Like, it lives there. So What's going to wind up happening is going to be the same thing that Nintendo tried to do with Pokemon. I, I'm going to guarantee it. And in about a month, we're going to see probably a subscription-based cloud service that you can pay five six seven bucks a month to upload your game saves well that should be part of their shitty service that they're going to be introducing i i guarantee you it won't be it's going to be a separate thing you're going to have to purchase because they they've done that before in the past yeah and they are cheap as fuck with their cartridge memory cartridges jesus christ (laughs) that is nuts like you can't save jack shit on there we're living in an age where people want to buy digitally their games and just download the goddamn Mm -hmm. things onto the the system hard drives you can have a game if you're lucky if you're lucky christ because which one is it there's one that's coming out that's literally going to fill it's um dragon uh, the dragon quest is it the dragon quest yeah yeah yeah, it's 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 a thirty-two gigabyte game, yeah. and the system has thirty-two gigabytes. Oh of my god! <sighs> <laughs> you can have Dragon Quest Warriors or Netflix, but not both. <laughs> and here's the thing: like, like seriously, too, and like, solid state storage is not expensive right now. Like, I don't get yeah, that. Like, SD cards are cheap, but that shouldn't be a justification for going, well, people can just buy SD cards. No, no, no. That's what I mean. I mean, like standalone solid state, like memory is really, really cheap. Like you can get 150 gigs for like 50, 50 bucks. If you're spending $300 on a fucking game system, I expect more than what it has there. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Let's move to some happier news though. And that is Zelda breath of the wild, which has been getting, spectacular reviews now i haven't tried it vince you don't have a wii so i'm assuming you have not tried it yet negative but joe you picked it up for the wii u so why don't you tell us about it yeah i've been playing the hell out of it and i'm thoroughly impressed the graphics are absolutely gorgeous for the art style and this is on my wii u mind you this is not the switch i don't own a switch i probably will never own a switch but it's absolutely gorgeous it's fluid i haven't had any frame rate dipping 
what's interesting about it is just the sheer level of exploration. And the best way I can describe it, and, and I feel like I was right in my original assessment, it is like this weird mix of Dark Souls and Skyrim just rolled together in this amazing just setup. I absolutely love it. One of the cool things is like it has these Ocarina of Time moments. Like you start on the, the Hillian Plateau and the night sequence is just like in Ocarina of Time. You're out at night. Bokoblin uh, skeletons are going to come out to get you. The only gripe I have with it is that the durability system for weapons, because you had only hold so many, can be a little bit limiting. But it forces you to really think about when you want to attack. That said, you can still get like things like I've been doing. I've been finding Bokoblin camps at night when they sleep because they do sleep and lighting them on fire so I don't actually have to fight them and then stealing their things. But it's really, really so cool. proud of you. I was just going to say, how can you say that and be proud of yourself? <laughs> They're Bokoblin. They don't have souls. <laughs> They've got my treasure. I need my treasure. Uh, but it, it's really well done. The mechanics of the controller are actually really well laid out, too. One of the cooler things is the runes that you can do. Instead of gathering bombs and having to find bombs everywhere or make bombs, you get runes that give you two different types of bombs, like square bombs and circle bombs, and you use them for, for puzzle solving. You can throw them, place them, and set them off remotely. One thing that I've learned is that you can't use those bombs necessarily on Bokoblins because the enemies are smart enough to actually pick up the bomb and throw it back at you or kick it at you before you explode it. I found this out the hard way. It sucked. And every time you die, there's a little red X on your map. I have a lot of little red X. <laughs> <laughs> but the environments are absolutely gorgeous. The other cool thing about it is the puzzle solving isn't just dungeons, right? Or, or shrines or, or any of that stuff. It's the entire world. So there are stuff hidden. There, there's things hidden everywhere. And in like the plateau, you have a quest that leads you to four specific locations. It's a lot bigger than that. And there's a lot of extra stuff hidden throughout there that you get rewarded for going and just spending time exploring. I haven't progressed through the first section yet because I'm just scouring the land looking for everything. And it's probably one of the most rewarding experiences I have had in a video game in a, in a while. And the cool thing is I love the hell out of Dark Souls as a game series. I didn't like Skyrim, but this this is the perfect blend of all those games that I love, given that Zelda skin and just absolutely well done. And the interesting thing is the storyline as they trickle it down, it's done in little tidbits. As you find each like shrine or a little bit, there's little story hooks that kind of keep you going, but very little. And it emphasizes you going out and finding things so much as here's your quest, go do this, which I think is really nice. But there's lots of speculation because just from the story that I've gotten and I haven't gone anywhere, but that, that initial starting area is that this might be a conflux of all of the Zelda timelines crashing in on each other Ooh. because there is hints of every single game that has come before the runes are distilled through magic water. What does that sound like? little wind waker action. Maybe the, there's a lot of locations that are straight out of Ocarina of time. There's a couple Majora mask references and it's all valid within the context of this game. And I think that's really kind of cool because I want to know how this ends and what the actual story is. Because if that's it, if this is like the conflux of all of those timelines, 
holy fuck. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't sing the praises of this enough. Like wait till Wii U's go on sale, buy a Wii U and then buy this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how much I love this. It's, it is worth every goddamn penny. Huh. I won't have time to play that before Mass Effect, though. I will actually am debating putting off Mass Effect till I'm finished this. Damn, that's dude. You might you might want to take some time off the podcast. Then. I, 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 that's how good this is. Like, it is absolutely enthralling. And the cool thing for like the Wii U players, you don't have to use the tablet. You can use the Pro Controller, and it works absolutely fine. There are no touch controls whatsoever in the game. Did they make any use of that? Uh, tablet screen at all uh, aside from aiming no if you do go into aiming mode you can actually use the tablet as a viewfinder to aim your bow and arrow or to aim the magic tablet that you use to mark stuff so you can use it but there's no touch controls or anything else so the pro controller works just fine and it honestly it's i think it's my preferred way to play it at this point right okay well again it's one of those that can't wait to try it, but it's gonna it's gonna have to wait a little bit. Okay. Any parting thoughts on that? It has exceeded all of my expectations so far. Like, and that says a lot because yeah, I put a lot of hype and hope on this game. And if I remember correctly, you were the most harsh out of the three of us in like a lot of the pre-release stuff. So if it met your expectations and you're happy, yeah, I was I was the most critical because I was really honestly worried about it. I was worried that they were gonna fuck it up. They didn't fuck it up. They this is the Zelda game that I've been waiting for. And right now, and, and I'll make a judgment when I'm done with the game, this is competing with Ocarina of Time for my favorite Zelda game. That's a pretty and high praise. It, so far, we'll see how I feel when I finish the story and everything. That may change. I, I will allow room that that may change. But right now, that's where I'm at is I'm playing this game and I'm having that same flashback. I'm feeling like that six that that what 16 14 oh somewhere in that range that teenage kid again sitting down and playing this you know, playing a game for the first time and just being absolutely captured by the world i'm feeling that again and i haven't like i haven't felt that way in a zelda game since ocarina of time see so, ocarina of time see. for me is one of those um games that is hard to be objective about because much like you, you have strong memories because you remember when you were that age and you were playing it. And for me, that game was a game that I played with the kids a lot. So we had our we had bought the the um, the N sixty four after we'd had a sewer flood in our old home, and we'd lost our Nintendo our Super Nintendo. So we bought the the N sixty four, and so we'd gotten a couple of the games, and we would sit down and play with the kids. So. I have very fond memories, not just of the game, but very, very much of playing with the kids as well. So for me, it's it's going to be hard to to beat that in my mind. I don't know. I, I, it's the same thing. Like the fact that this is beating out my nostalgia lenses so far. Like I, I really like. I sound like a little kid praising this game. Like I I, I love it. I mm-hmm. honestly love it so far. 
All right. Awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing more about it as we go along. So that is going to wrap it up for this week. One last little bit of news. If you are playing Wildstar or if you've thought about playing the game, you may want to set up an account because you have up until the 12th of March and you're going to be able to log in and get a free level 50. So and that character is going to come with a full set of gear. It's going to come with uh, what else? A bag of support gear, a bag of uh, rewards, different rewards, a mount, your housing and, and stuff like that. So if you were kind of on the fence, uh, this is going to be starting once they introduce the Power of the Primal Matrix update. And that's coming soon. And then you have until the 12th, if it's not already in, possibly. But yeah, so check it out. And it's one of those games that, again, I absolutely adored and I had a ton of fun playing. And with it, I had more time, I probably would play even now. So definitely worth checking out also check out the site at forthelore.com you can find us on itunes stitcher you can also find us on twitter at forthelore or individually joe is loaders at j vince is simodian and i am zen buddhist and with that we will talk to you guys next week thank you for listening to for the lore each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.